Don't worry, Trey. I'm going to go ahead and get mine out of the way right now. I was way wrong yesterday about what would happen in the Liberty Middle Tennessee game last night. Hey, let's start with something I was right about. You were correct Before we about get that. to keeping receipts. Not necessarily the Liberty covering the spread part, but the over, which was my stronger conviction yesterday, that thing was dead on arrival yesterday. You had the under? I had the under. All because right. Liberty controlling the game on the ground was the big principle that I thought would happen. And Liberty actually was able to have control of the game on the ground and limit Middle Tennessee's offense. I did say, I just want to note, I did say that this was the trap game for Liberty given the, I guess we can call it a headline matchup against Middle Middle Tennessee, but maybe the two best teams in the CUSA have already played each other because given Jacksonville State beat Western Kentucky last week. Last uh, night, you mean? Last night. Um, but I did say Middle Tennessee was the trap game for Liberty. And I should have kept that, you know, kept kept with, up with it by picking middle to cover. I just trusted Liberty enough to pull away late. This was, we're recreating our text conversation from last night. We are, and I guess we're airing it out here in the fast lane. But, the but that's fine. It- but I was just saying is, I feel, you know, we're about to get to my record from last week. And so let's get, let's get my good base hits in like I'm, you know, right now before before it, it goes to crap. Well, Trey, applaud to you and applause For to now. Ty Tracy as well because both of you guys had the over. I had the under and thought Liberty would be able to control the game. And uh, I mentioned it, by the way. This is where I'll, I'll – I mean, I was wrong, but I'll at least qualify it, which is you know, oh so grand. Qualify it by saying I didn't like the idea of picking Liberty at 14.5 when the number was initially 13. And I'm a big believer in trying to avoid getting the worst of the numbers, so I didn't recommend playing it. At that, I did recommend the under, and that thing stood no chance under whatever it was, 56.5, 66.5. It doesn't matter. The final score was 42-35, Liberty over Middle Tennessee. But in large part, it was for a couple of different things. It was as sloppy a defense as we've seen for Liberty. It was an offense that got off on the wrong foot at the very beginning. First passing play for Liberty. First play from scrimmage for either team. Caden Salter throws an interception. And more on that momentarily. But it was evident over the course of last night that Jamie Chabwell and the team didn't look like they were in the best frame of mind against Middle Tennessee. And that tray is where, I get there's no quantifiable data from this, but in calling this a trap game for Liberty where you were spot on and can take your victory lap because Jamie Chabwell mentioned this after the win yesterday against Middle Tennessee, that a lot of this came from the fact that they did not have a very good week of practice leading up to that game. You can't allow complacency to step in, you know, and and we didn't have a great week of practice, and it showed up. You know, we played like we didn't have a great week of practice, and fortunately we were able to find a way to win uh, and continue to move on and, and, you know, put ourselves one step closer uh, to, you know, what we want to try to get accomplished with this team. So always proud of the win, and no matter how bad it looks, We'll take those uh, ugly W's any day and over a pretty loss. Yeah, I mean, you'll take it if you're Liberty. You're fortunate to be 7-0 on the year when they were in control of the game. You know, this is not a fluke victory, but they needed another late defensive stand. They got it. They needed the ability to control the game on the ground. They did. 61 total rushing attempts for over 400 yards, barely, 401. And they varied it up. Quentin Cooley... 24 carries, 134 yards. Caden Salter scrambled quite a bit. 16 carries, 161 yards. He attempted 20 passes, but the run-pass ratio for Liberty was basically two-thirds of the play calls were run. Out of the 80 plays, 81 plays Liberty called, 
61 were runs. And a lot of that goes back to what Jamie Chowell mentioned. They did not have a good week of practice. That lack of focus carried over to the game. And to his credit, again, we talk about taking ownership and being upfront and honest about this. And you know, if you're in a bigger media market, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. There, there's some media outlets here in Lynchburg, but this is not the Northeast with Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, or New York. Heck, it's not a rabid SEC market or even parts of the Midwest with irrational fans. I'd like to think we're fairly reasonable here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But Jamie Chavell mentioned they didn't have a good week of practice. You could tell by the, the moment that game began, including the fact that Caden Salter threw an interception on the first play of the game, and here's the backstory of why that happened. Actually, I ran out there with no excuses, but I ran out there with the wrong helmet. I ran back on the sideline, got my helmet. Then when, by the time I ran out there, we had like five seconds on the clock. I wasn't able to get my motion man all the way to his exact spot, so it kind of messed up some of the splits and stuff. I assumed that the corner was going to follow with the post that we had, so I floated it up instead of ripping it because I thought he was going to follow, but he came off and he made a good play on the ball. Caden Salter, speaking after the game. If this was a guy, and I get his past, we've, we've documented it before. He had a couple of instances uh, you know, with allegedly marijuana that got him booted off the Tennessee team as a four-star quarterback. They can use him right talent. now. Uh, yes, Tennessee definitely well, can. Yeah, they might. Um, but you can listen to Tennessee this weekend. That is correct. That's game two of our triple header on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. The full lineup will be at the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg Facebook page when that gets posted, whenever Trey has it scheduled Saturday morning. Just rest assured it'll be up there as Trey always has our graphics taken care of. But he, here's the thing. I'll give Caden Salter a pass on taking ownership for it in this sense. One, they win the game, and he admitted that that's what happened. If he's taking ownership and accountability, that's something that you want to see out of a quarterback if you're Liberty. In part because he is a guy, again, we mentioned his past and why he got booted out of Tennessee. The fact that it took a while for him to, to blossom into the guy that could be a legitimate QB1. And we're not talking talent-wise. We're talking study-wise, preparation-wise, process-wise, dedicating yourself in that regard. It's a slip-up. It's clearly a lesson learned for Caden Salter because he threw an interception on the first play of the game because he had the wrong helmet on. And that's a lack of... What's the phrase we always like to say here in the fast lane train at the Virginia Talk Radio Network? The three words that I say that you can't stand? Attention to detail. Ding, ding, ding. And that was missing, obviously, for a good chunk of the game. Because Liberty had other instances where that was a problem. Where they had the second drive of the game. After the interception that set up the first score for Middle Tennessee. Liberty goes down, answers it, ties it back at seven. Then on Tennessee, Middle Tennessee second drive, two penalties totaling 30 different yards. A pass interference compounded by the fact that it was an unsportsmanlike conduct right after the pass interference. Literally 30 free yards to Middle Tennessee. They punch it into the end zone once again, make it 14-7. to Liberty with a fumble, that gets turned into a Middle Tennessee touchdown as well. 21 of 35 points, 14 of them come off turnovers, 21 come off essentially Liberty just making mistakes and self-inflicted wounds. And Liberty still was in control of the game because... Again, as we mentioned a moment ago, when you run for over 401 yards and you got three different players, excuse me, four different players for Liberty and Salter, Cooley, Pointer, and Bedgood, Joyner and Bedgood, who all run for over five and a half yards a carry, you're controlling the game on the ground. It literally was that way for Liberty. And part of the credit does go to them for one, Caden Salter taking ownership after the game. And again, I think it deserves to be pointed out that he had mistakes in that game and it was a sloppy performance. And Maybe I'm off basis. John Manson from ACFRed.com can correct me and tell me if I am when he joins us around 
525 today in the fast lane. But the other part to this for Liberty is there was a level of resiliency for this team. And part of it is showing the maturation, again, if you're Caden Salter, to take ownership of the mistake he did at the beginning of the game and being able to reset after that, which is so challenging for any athlete or any walk of life when you make a mistake and you're hard on yourself and you want to be good, finding a way to let it out, express your frustration, and then being able to reset as Caden Salter did. Oh, yeah, most of that. I mean, that was the first play of the game. So if I would have let that stick to me for the rest of the game, it ain't no telling what would have happened. So, I mean, I just flushed it. And the next drive, we came out there and executed. And that's big for Liberty because they were not prepared for a chunk of this game. There were plenty of mistakes throughout, especially in the early going of the game. But Liberty found a way when it mattered most. And to their ever-loving credit, they deserve to be praised for the resiliency that they showed in this game despite almost getting burnt. We almost learned a viable lesson. You know, we got really close to that touching that fire and it about cost us and, and and hopefully I'm glad we're learning in a win, you know, that we can that we learn we have to learn how to practice and not take things for granted. Uh, I told the team last night in our, in a meeting there that I'm an eighties, I love eighties music and one of the songs there was Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, you know, and uh, and like I referenced losing uh, losing an opponent that we were better than because we thought we were better and we didn't prepare. And, and that's where all our championships came from. And I talked about that is that, man, we're on such a special thing going. Don't take it for granted, you know. But uh, I give credit to them. It's them. They, they showed resiliency uh, and they believe in each other. And I think that's we never think we're out of a game, which is good. Uh, and, and hopefully we can continue to do that. Liberty, they show resiliency. They go to 7-0 on the year with a 42-35 victory over Middle Tennessee State. And the cool part is you can enjoy their next level of resiliency, however that comes out, or any of the remaining home games. There are three of them left. InsaneRadioDeals.com. Two-pack of tickets, $70 value for two tickets. No joke here, $22.22. So that two for you and two for a friend. You can all go together, make it a date night, make it a family trip. Thanks to InsaneRadioDeals.com. Just pick your game, buy your tickets, we'll get you set up. We've already done that for some fans today, and we appreciate your doing that as well. Or if you just want to go to the game, and maybe you don't like us, but you want to go to the game, hey, check it out at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, other topics, including a local angle to the NLCS to kick off the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Joe Manaply went to Tunstall High School right between Martinsville and Danville, Virginia, and then went on to Virginia Tech. Trey, was he there when you were in Blacksburg, by the way? I think he was there before me. Okay, there before you. I can't remember... If he's in time. Major League Bay, if he's in the big leagues, then he's de- he was definitely there before me. Well, he came on in relief last night for the Arizona Diamondbacks and probably yielded three runs. Two of them attributed to him. Ed cheered against him. Uh, you know, I have to admit I did. Philadelphia Phillies fan that I am. 3 nothing lead balloon from 3-0 to 6-zip in a 10 nothing Philadelphia Phillies route last night. Cool moment for Joe Manaply of Tunstall. They've had a great year. So too have the uh, well, the Diamondbacks and Manaply himself have had very good years. Uh, give credit to a guy like that as well. We mentioned this before, but all these guys often come in as starters, and that's their long-term goal and ambition. But the willingness to change positions or roles, similar to, ironically enough, Logan Thomas, the former Brookville quarterback and Virginia Tech quarterback, who's now a tight end with the Commanders, if you're willing to make that switch, you can carve out a nice niche for yourself. Man Apply deserves some shout-outs 
from us in the fast lane at least, even though he clearly was not all that effective last night in coming on in relief. Number four. Washington, D.C. has apparently tapped different consultants to study the concept of stadium financing. JLL, whoever they are, and the Robert Bob Group. Yes, Robert Bob Group. That's the name of it. They will lead a study of financing models for investment in new and existing sports stadiums in the D.C. area. And by D.C., we mean literally Washington, D.C. Trey, this seems like a broad-based initiative that really is designed for one thing and one thing only. The Washington Commanders to return back to those stomping grounds that many people associate with that franchise back when it had its previous name and ownership before Dan Snyder. And that is playing in the heart of Washington, D.C. Not the outskirts of Virginia, not Maryland, although I'm sure they'll be mentioned as leverage points to get the best deal from D.C. Again, we talk about it publicly financed, private rewards financially, the joy of being an NFL owner. But let's not kid ourselves. This is not a full stadium evaluation for a market where the Capitals and the Wizards have their own stadium and they may be looking to get outside the Virginia area for that. The Nationals have a relatively new stadium. The Major League Soccer and the NWSL, Women's Soccer Leagues uh, franchises, they have a new stadium. Uh, this is clearly one point and one point only, and that is a football stadium for the Commanders. Yeah, uh, it's not shocking by that. I mean, if they want to get part of the Taylor Swift tour, they need a better stadium, so makes sense. Well, that's part of it too, of course, Trey, and let's be honest, when you bring Taylor Swift in, you bring plenty of dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Number three. Neither Virginia nor Virginia Tech have appeared in the AP Top 25 Basketball Coaches Poll. Kansas is number one, no shock there. Three ACC teams are in it, right behind Kansas, the Duke Blue Devils at number two, Miami at number 13, and North Carolina at number 19. Virginia was 31st, I guess you could say, sixth in receiving votes. Meanwhile, no votes came for Virginia Tech. I get it for Virginia Tech. I think they've got actually a very deep roster shaping up for Mike Young's squad and Blacksburg trade. But they underperformed last year. There's no dynamic go-to score. And for Virginia, again, I'll give the benefit of the doubt that Tony Bennett can get guys like Leon Bond and Ryan Dunn to utilize their impressive athleticism to go along with Reese Beekman taking over more of a point guard role with Dante Harris in there as well. The fact that they've got a little bit of size down low, although I think that's a little bit of a weak point for Virginia. I give Virginia the benefit of the doubt that they can be a top 25 team, maybe even better than that, and more solidly in the top 25 when the season goes. But if I'm a Virginia fan, they've been overlooked for a while. Don't worry about it now. Worry about what you do in March because, well, we saw how it ended last year. Duke, they're loaded. They bring a lot of that one-and-done talent back for a second year, which is not normal with guys like Filipowski, Roach, and Proctor. They've also got some freshmen that are coming in that are talented. This is good of a Duke team on paper as they've had in quite a while in terms of the right blend. Miami, they've used the transfer portal very well. And the North Carolina Tar Heels, there's a lot of talent. I get the doubt around Hubert Davis, but I'm a Virginia fan. Hey, let Carolina get the shine and fly under the radar as well. Number two. Meanwhile, the Virginia Tech Lady Hokies ranked eighth in the preseason poll. Trey, as a Virginia Tech alum and fan, are you disappointed they were not ranked higher? Or do you understand, given the likes of LSU, the defending champion, UConn with Paige Beckers, South Carolina with Dawn Staley's pedigree, Iowa with Caitlin Clark, and others deservedly being ranked ahead of them? Yeah, I mean... At, wor- at worst, I guess you could argue they should be four because they bring basically everyone back that was a contributor. But, I mean, you look at the, the teams ahead of them, they were all one or two seeds last year. 
Uh, I put South Carolina ahead of them. I put UConn ahead of them. I put LSU ahead of them. I put Iowa ahead of them. Um, you know, that UCLA, Utah, Ohio State. Maybe not Ohio State because, uh, spoiler alert, Virginia Tech beat Ohio State in the NCAA tournament last year. You're not... Not spoiler alert, Trey. Friendly reminder. Oh, that's it. Um, so uh, I personally think that, uh, but it's fine. I mean, they're fifth in the coaches poll, so that's what coaches think about them. You know, compared, which the only teams ahead of them are South Carolina, Iowa, UConn, and LSU. And uh, if UConn didn't lose to Ohio State in the tournament, they would have played. Uh, they would have played UConn. Um, they play two of those three teams, two of those four teams ahead of them in the coaches' poll this year. They p- play LSU and they play Iowa in the non-con. So realistically, they could easily move up if they just win those two games. There are a lot of points for Virginia to Virginia Tech women's basketball to move up. The Lady Cavaliers are not ranked in the preseason poll, but again, I'm fine with that. They started great last year, but they faded when their lack of depth became obvious. Uh, I I think Coach Mox is doing as well as could be reasonably expected in year two with the transfer portal, but it it takes a while to get a program going, less so than in, in this era of NIL and the transfer portal, but still... For Virginia, again, I think they've got the capability of being ranked in a tournament team in women's basketball, but I get why they're not. And number one on the Fast Five at five-ish. The NFL, they are aiming to have active players in the Olympics in 2028 when the games begin and include flag football out in Los Angeles. This one's going to get passed. There's so much power to the NFL and the desire to continue expanding the game. When they've given different franchises licensing rights for different areas across the globe. Some in Africa, some in South and Central America, some in Europe, and some even in Asia. This is an indication the NFL is intent on growing their game. And while it will require changes to the current timeline for the NFL, because the Olympic Games of 2028 will take place in late June, that will feed into the start of training camp, they will adjust their schedule in the NFL. And if anything... If they start the season a little bit later and start training camp a little bit later to grow their game globally, the rest of the world will find a way to adjust even if the NFL season goes to the back half of February because there's enough power in that sport that in four years or five years, I don't see that going away. And there is your Fast Five at five When we return in the Fast Lane, more on the Liberty Flames, showing a resilient mentality despite self-inflicted mistakes in their 42-35 win last night against Middle Tennessee. As John Manson from aseofred.com will detail with us next here in the fast lane. And yes, we may be pushing off, keeping receipts for a couple of days. That's fine, Ed. That's fine. As someone who may may have went 9-12-1 last week, I think that's okay. No problem. If we have to get to it Friday, we can because, you know, sometimes you got to call an audible. So, John Manson, we want his insight more than we want to keep receipts. So that's what's next here in the fast lane.